the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. We are heading over to Mark chapter 2, and we're in our third week of the series, so we're in verse 18. Verse 18. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. So John's disciples and the Pharisees. Now, straight away, the picture that you may get, you may not get if you've been around church, stuff like that. John's disciples, like very similar stream to Jesus because they're the ones who prepare the way with John to say that he's the the Messiah, the chosen one. They're like the layup, if you like basketball. And then the Pharisees, generally, if someone in church goes, oh, you're a Pharisee, they're never saying a nice thing about you. They're generally saying you're a Pharisee as in like, I don't rate your faith. I think you're kind of backwards. I think you're judgmental. And I don't think you know Jesus. Now, anyone who says that, actually, if someone called me a Pharisee, I know they'd be meaning something hurtful, but actually, it's a bit of a compliment. Because the Pharisees are very close to Jesus, and they're very in a very similar stream to the stream that he's in. Um, to find out more about that, if you wanted to read something academic, you'd read a book by um, Young, and it's called Meet the Rabbis. And basically, the picture he portrays is looking at different rabbinical streams at the time. And the Pharisees are very similar to Jesus. So you see him contrasting with them and having discussion because they're in the same stream. And because he's showing them the ways that he differentiates himself from them. But the Pharisees have all the groups within Judaism at the time are the ones that are actually so, 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 so similar. So at this point, when they, when uh, the writers let you know, now John's disciples, the Pharisees were fasting, and people came to him and said, why did John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So they're saying, basically, these guys are in the same stream as you, they're so similar to you, you guys are on the same page, and yet we're looking at them, and they're all fasting, but you guys aren't fasting. So the question isn't like a, it's not like other times when people come to question Jesus and they're trying to catch him out, they're trying to trap him. This is basically someone who's looking at everything and going like, this doesn't make sense. You guys are on the same page. You're close together in your approach to things, but they're fasting, you're not fasting. What's the deal? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. This is a kind of a crazy one. I mean, well, Leon's out there with the kids, so this is kind of awkward, and Amy's not here today, but um, we've got a, a fantastic portion of the room that were at Amy and Leon's wedding. Woo, 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 woo. Now, it was a fantastic wedding. I didn't see anyone fasting. I'm gonna let you know, when the wedding breakfast came out, I didn't see anyone going, I'm gonna pass on this, I'm fasting. When the wedding cake came round, I have not seen anyone go, I will decline on a slice of your delicious wedding cake because I am fasting for today. At my wedding, I tell you what, man, I remember how much we spent per head on the meal, the sit-down meal. If someone was fasting on my wedding day, I would have laid hands on them, not for healing, I would have punched them in the face. Like, I'm like, I did not spend this amount of money for you to come here and fast. Fast at home. And let me invite one of my other friends I couldn't afford to fit in here. You know what I mean? No one goes, Jesus is pointing at this, he's, he's flipping this whole scenario on his head and he's like going, can't you see where we are? Can't you see what we're doing? We're at a wedding here. How can you be talking about fasting at a wedding? So the people bringing up this point, raising this question, they must have been sitting there going like, what, 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 we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not what, we're not at a wedding? Like, like, what are you, what are you, what? And then he goes, can they fast while the bridegroom is with them? And as long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Then he says, the days will come 
when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth to an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. Man, I was reading this passage, and I'm not gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with you, when we were looking, when I decided we were gonna do Mark chapter two to kick off the new year, I was so excited about the first two talks. When it came to this one, I read this passage, I was like, Jesus, take of the wheel. I, I'm not fancy in speaking about this. I don't really wanna talk about fasting. I'm not really that excited about it. But when I started to look at this passage, started to look at some of the language he uses, some of the rhetoric he talks about, he throws up some really vivid imagery. So he's talking about a wedding, he's talking about the groom. He's talking about the groom for a specific reason because the groom is spoken about twice in the, in the Old Testament scriptures. It's spoken about through Isaiah, who speaks about God and the Messiah and God marrying his people Israel in this kind of relationship. He speaks about Hosea, which hashtag plug in it today because there's two different things we're gonna be talking about. And then he talks about fasting and about kind of romance and, and about this, this, this marriage, this moment, this intimacy and the celebration. And actually next month, heads up, we're doing Song of Solomon. So today's talk is actually gonna be a really key talk and moment for us as a church if we embrace it, if we don't, whatevs, for not just today, but the next month and the month after that. Because the next month we're going through Song of Solomon, not just because of Valentine's Day, but because it's an incredible book. The month after that, we're going through the book of Hosea, doing a series called 50 Shades of Grace. Provocative, gets the people going. So I've been working on all these designs of, of lady with their masquerade, masks on. So yeah, we're gonna, be, we're gonna be provocative for two months, which is gonna be fun. So Jesus is being provocative here because they come with a question, they're like, Jesus, like, don't long it, bruv. We're just talking about fasting. Like, why are you... Why are you talking about things in this way? Can wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. Then they will fast in that day. I guess one of the things is that when it comes to fasting, people always talk about it like as a discipline. It's always a spiritual discipline, isn't it? It's always a discipline. It's like a thing you don't really want to do, but kind of for some religious reason, deep down inside you do it. Or you're kind of religious and you do it actually as a body cleanse, but you try and add a little seasoning of spirituality with it. Like, you're not really serious about anything to do with God. You're just doing a body cleanse, you're losing weight, you're, you're getting the toxins out of your body, you're doing all that sort of stuff. You don't really care about anything else. Like, I've met so many people who are like that and you're like, oh, come on, man, I just know what you're doing. You're just getting ready for summer, come on, please. You're doing the summer body, this has nothing to do with God. But for them, they're raising this question and he wants to let them know what time it is. But then he goes on to talk about um, new cloths, old cloths, new wine skins, old wine skins, new wine, old wine. And he starts painting all these images, but he's, he's, he's bringing it all into the same answer. He's not, he's not someone who's unable to keep his mind on the same topic. He hasn't got ADHD. He's not just going all over the place. He's, he's sticking to the same point. And he's letting them know, you don't know what time it is. And he's letting them know, you don't know how to act in the time that we're in. You don't understand what this is about. You see, you've only ever known how to live when the groom isn't in the house. You've only known how to, to act when, when the promise isn't here. So you've always been fasting, denying yourself, going without something, but actually you've been doing it as this kind of like spiritual discipline or whatever, but actually what it's really about is it's about, you're not fasting to deny yourself something, 
you're fasting because you realize you already don't have something. And now this is going to sound a little bit crazy, but when we look at Song of Solomon next month, we're going to find there's a passage where there's the talk between the beloved, between the, 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 the groom and the potential bride as we go through the book. And one of the, the points it's going to come to is there's a moment where, where the, the potential bride turns around and says, and she's saying it to her groom, would you replenish me with raisins and with apples because, because I'm lovesick? And she's not saying like to her friend texting going, hey, come bring me some raisins, come bring, bring me some apples because I'm lovesick. Because you see what happens when you're lovesick is you can't eat anything. You can't eat anything when you're lovesick. You're just like, oh, oh. And, and you know what it is when you're lovesick and you don't go about food? You're not like someone who's fasting. You're not walking around like with the bags under the eyes, like going to the workplace going, ah. Like everyone does when they fast. That's a discipline. The Lord disciplines and chastises those he loves. But when we enter into a, a moment where it's not a discipline, but a love, but when you're so infatuated with someone that you just can't eat because there's a separation and you want to be with them, like kids today won't really know about that anymore because of social media and the way that we connect now is like, there's never. Like, oh yeah, Wi-Fi goes down. That's how they know. Have you seen kids about Wi-Fi? All of a sudden they're lovesick. Ah, oh, I can't talk to my crush. Ah, I can't like their statuses. How they won't, they think I'm not into them anymore. And I've done five posts and I won't have liked them. Oh, my world is falling apart. But like back in the day, you liked someone and you weren't going to see them or you had a landline and you just couldn't call all day. It was, it was different. You just had this lovesickness. And in Song of Solomon, which is a crazy book, by the way, because Christians had a discussion about should this even be in the Bible? But long before Christians got their grubby hands on it, the, the rabbis had the same discussion around the end of the first century and the beginning of the second century. And one of the greatest rabbis ever and the greatest rabbi of his period, known as Rabbi Akiva, made this quote. He said that all of scripture is sacred, but he said Song of Solomon, all of scripture is holy, but Song of Solomon is the holy of holies. It's the holy of holies. It's funny because actually it was deemed and treated by some Jewish people like pornographic material. Like, boys couldn't read it till they were 13. Like, oh, Song of Solomon, dang, keep that away. Some of the language, the way it's used is a bit more like, bow chicka bow wow, bow chicka bow bow. And so when Rabbi Akiva, he was one of the key people that actually was a cause for Song of Solomon being canoned into what the Jews considered scripture, which then had a knock-on effect for the Christians embracing it. And in this moment of this romance, it was, it was Akiva who, who, who saw past not just the idea of just a humanistic relationship of love and romance and courtship, but the idea of God chasing after his people, the love and the intimacy. And so in this moment, what Jesus is doing with them is he's not just talking about fasting, he's redefining fasting and how they would see and perceive fasting. He was saying the groom is in the building, there's no need to fast, the groom is present, the love is here, that everything's being flourished, but when the groom is taken away, you've only known what it is for the groom not to be here. You've only known what it is for God not to be with you. You've only known what it is to be outside of Eden. You've only known what it is to be distant from God and not have that intimacy that was there in the Garden of Eden before everything was broken. This is what you've known. This is old wine skins. This is old wine, you don't get it. You can't pour new wine in it, it bursts, because when you pour wine in a wine skin, it ferments and stretches it. So then when you've drunk the wine, if you were to pour new wine in it, 
it ferments again and stretches it further. It bursts and it's useless. He says, what you're trying to, you're trying to get a hold of something new that's happening and you can't do it. You can't take cloth, clothes that have been washed and shrunk and then put a patch over it that, that hasn't and then it just shrinks and, it, and it, it tears it and rips it even worse than it already was before. He says, what you guys don't understand is that when I'm talking to you guys about fasting, when, when, when I think about this and what's happening among us here and now, he says, they'll do that again. But the place they're going to do it from is going to be totally different from you guys because you guys are on this discipline thing and discipline's a good thing, but this is driven by love. This is love. This is going to be a case where, man, I knew God in this way where we had this relationship like Adam and Eve had, the call of the evening, and then it's gone and it's broken. And there's a fasting that takes place. There's a love sickness. There's the, there's the butterflies in the stomach. There's a, I just, I just want to be near him again. There's not a case of like, I'm fasting and denying myself and walking around like I'm, I'm suffering and beat down. But it's actually a case of I'm running to him because I'm going to go without this because I'm already without the most important thing. And I can't think straight. I can't do what I need to do. I can't live the way I want to live. I can't be the person I want to be because you're gone. And, and what I have, it isn't there. And so when we, we, when we look at this passage and these guys and what they're raising is they're not just raising an issue about diet. They're not just raising an issue about, about going without and denial and discipline. And, and you see what happens in, in religion and in Christianity is you can find this point in a relationship with God where the relationship is gone and all that's there is the discipline. All that's there is the discipline. All that's there is the, well, why aren't you guys fasting? Well, why aren't you guys doing this? And the whole butterflies and the love and the relationship aspect has been gone, has been like, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio, God left this place a long time ago. Blood Island, or Di- Blood Diamond, Blood Island, Blood Diamond. Jeez. That was the Nollywood version I watched, honestly. <laughs> But that's what it's like for these guys. When they come asking this question, they are Leonardo DiCaprio and Blood Diamond. They're going, God left this place a long time ago. And Jesus is going, listen guys, it's all changing, the groom is here. Isaiah spoke about this, Hosea spoke about this. And this, is, this, is, this, is, this raises questions of Song of Solomon. It raises questions of, uh, of the church because the church is known as the bride of Christ. Is, that, is our attitude towards him like, I just can't eat, I need you, I need you to replenish me. I need you to bring me raisins. I need you to bring me apples. I need you. I can't just go out and eat with my friends. I can't just go out and and go grab a meal. I can't just go grab a takeaway right now because I need you. I need you to replenish me. So this passage asks all sorts of questions of you, asks all sorts of questions of me, it asks all sorts of questions of God. And what I've found in life is, is I found that when I'm distanced from God, he hasn't moved because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I find that I've moved. And I've moved myself to a place where I am only involved in a religious and religious actions and just going through the motions. And as I started to read this passage again, and as I started to read Song of Solomon's, and I started to enter into what Rabbi Akiva calls the Holy of Holies, I started to become aware again of... Uh, a loss of my first love. A loss of my love that I had for God, where I used to have those butterflies and those excitements, where I'll go to spend time with him alone, away, just waiting for him to replenish me because no one else can replenish me. Like, you can, you can get married. I've got an amazing, amazing wife. I couldn't hope for better. She's never going to replenish me. 
my two little girls, I spend time with them. When I get a hug off Eden or a hug off Aria, it's two of the best things I can ever have in the world. I need you to know that when I connect with God and he replenishes me, how it says in Song of Solomon, there's nothing in this world, there's nothing in this universe that can ever come close to when you connect with God in that way. And so you see, when you fast, the realization is not the discipline for the sake of discipline. You're not fasting for breakthrough. Everyone always does that. Everywhere you go, people talk about fasting. I'm fasting for my breakthrough. I'm fasting for my breakthrough. I never fasted because, like, I'm a skinny fat man. I'm, I'm like a weird combination, like, shouldn't work. But when I was younger, up until, like, 23, I was just, I was a skinny guy with an anchor, man. And, like, for me, I remember I did fasting at Bible college, and I nearly, like, passed out while playing football with kids because I had to still do all the stuff I had to do normally. So I'm running around playing football, and I'm like, bang, on the floor. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? Like, no one was near me. I was gone. And like people were like fasting for breakthrough, but I was like, man, I'm fasting for gains. Lord Jesus, I have to have an all-you-can-eat buffet twice a week or I lose weight, you know what I mean? I was in a crazy, one of those crazy scenarios. And as a, guy, as a girl, you're probably going like, well, that wouldn't be too bad. As a guy, that's a pretty bad thing. It's not a great thing. You want to gain that weight. And I just remember being like, all-you-can-eat buffets, this is the only way I survive. Like I would be emaciated. Every time I walked into church, the lady on the reception would go, to, not to me, but to the person next to me. Mark is Andy Gray anorexic. I'm like, oh man, Marjorie, I'm standing here. I am standing right here, man. She's with Jesus now, so it's okay. I can say her name. But um, man, fasting was an idea for breakthrough. It was an idea where you would do something thinking you'd see a change. I never fasted because the breakthrough I wanted was to gain weight. Um, so that was never going to work for me. But people always see it as a means to doing this, like you're twisting God's arm. But actually, that's not what fasting is. Fasting is going without because you're already without the only thing that matters. That's what fasting actually is. And that's what he's saying right here. There's no fasting today because I'm here. The bridegroom is here. When the bridegroom is gone, that's when everyone can fast. I'm going to pray for us today and then that'll be it. Father God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for this passage in Mark 2. I thank you for the, the realization and the revelation, Lord, that actually so often we think of fasting as this thing where we want to get from A to B. We want to get from where we want to be to what we want to see. And actually what fasting is, it's the realization, the acknowledgement of what we don't have. We're going without food as a discipline that our body craves as the acknowledgement that actually the thing we need more than anything is you. And that only our our beloved can come and can replenish us with raisins and with apples. And that can only happen in the Holy of Holies, as Song of Solomon talks about. And it only happens because Jesus' body was broken for us, that through him we're able to encounter God in a relationship in a way we never dreamed and hoped would be possible. Father, maybe for some of us our idea of God is the distant one and it's one where these guys did but they came to him with a question of fasting and a discipline not knowing that actually this was about love and this was about a hunger and a desire for relationship and wholeness and balance and peace restoration and redemption father i pray for each of us here today lord that we would encounter by your holy spirit that same restoration and i pray for some of us here lord god that maybe we'd realize it's time to go without some things because we're without the greatest thing there is maybe it's not food maybe it's social media maybe it's disconnecting from a couple of friendships for a little while maybe it's cutting off from a few things because we don't realize actually the one we need to replenish us in our broken state is you would you come replenish us with raisins with apples in jesus name amen, amen.
We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.